Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we use the same gag again to keep production costs down. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with ya. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the announcement of an official Smash Brothers fighting tournament. And then on Thursday, we are planning a Thanksgiving menu using Nintendo franchises. Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Patrick. Yes. What's Cooler than being cool. I'd be a nice cold. Yes. I don't I have just been thinking about Hey Ya and about Outcast. And what a good song and album that was. Yeah. Uh, uh I mean Hey Hey Ya's a great song. Uh-huh. Uh and uh, Speaker Box and Love Below. Mm-hmm. Great double record. Yep. Um yeah, no, it's a happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I mean, there's really uh, I there don't no have bad any, tracks, I don't yeah. have anything to follow that up with. Like I have no stunning insights right. into the career of Outcast. Just um that's some solid music. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. And it's a it is perhaps a weird thing for you and I to be saying like 25 <laughs> years after. <laughs> well, okay, okay. The records came I'll, out. I'll tell you, well, first of all, we've never talked about it on the show. Great so point. important that, to get it on the record. Right. right. And <laughs> two you know, we we have not been entering things in the official record for a while, so I'm going to get it's out the worrying. book. Right. Yeah, yeah. Get out the book, <laughs> right. write it down with the official quill. Um, the, the thing that made me think of it is before we started recording just now, when we were testing the mics, you were going like, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, fellas. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and what a video. My God, what a video. I mean, the perfect song and the perfect video, I think culture peaked. With Hey Ya. Yeah. It, culture has peaked twice. Once with Thriller, and then again for, with Hey Ya. <laughs> um, Mark, I, sorry. Culture also peaked a third time with Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch? You certainly can get on the list to do that. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address so we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. Well, you don't play it. It doesn't really matter what you do with it while it's there. Uh, you send it back. I pay for postage both ways. It's a Can perfect program. It? No. It's the perfect program. I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> and we're the ones that instated it. It doesn't feel like something that we did at this point. It just feels like inertia. The world right. spins round, mm-hmm. and the Sonic Forces borrowing program has always existed because it is the perfect program. Right. Also, there might be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there instead of Sonic Forces, but what are you going to do? Well, one thing you could do is you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And here this week is a great example of what we mean by wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, that's right. Because every week we say thank you so much to everybody who reviews us. Um, and by me like framing it this way, I am both fulfilling the obligation of saying it, but also reminding people of what I say. There we go. Yeah. So every week... I follow you. (laughs) So every week, we say thank you so much, you know, to everybody who reviews us or who shares the show any way that you can, including on Twitter or word of mouth. And so thank you this week to Retro Inebriate uh, for giving us a shout out on Twitter, a recommendation on Twitter. Um, They posted a tweet saying, Patrick and Mark rank every cartridge, in quotes, very important scare quotes very important that scare Nintendo quotes. has ever made. I might, might not agree with the order, but it's a must listen for any collector enthusiast of Nintendo. Thank you so much, Retro Inebriate. If you leave us a review or promote us somewhere that is not the US Apple Podcast Store, we still want to give you a shout out. So please yeah. let us know, um, add us on Twitter or send us an email and uh, you'll get a shout out. Um, along those lines, we also got a, uh, a shout out from the uh, at Nintendo Pals on uh, Twitter um, regarding our cartridge ranking episode um, saying, uh, love this episode. Something y'all didn't mention and I think may change the list is how good the Wii U disc edges feel. The round edges were unlike any other disc for any system or platform. Oddly satisfying. Ha ha. 
they were much also much more scratch resistant than other weed discs. Um, Mark, so we read this tweet and we're like, is that true? Right. Uh, went over to my bookshelf, got some Wii U discs off off the off the bookshelf, uh, and touched them. Touched them uh, compared to uh, Wii discs to PlayStation Four discs, and sure enough, they are like flat and round or thick. I don't. Yeah, it's almost like um the the edges of it they like bevel up a little bit. They have like a little lip. Yeah. I, to me, it's like the the lip of a like a plastic like a clear plastic cup. There's yeah. Like a tiny little like lip on it, and it is. Very satisfying. Oh, and especially when compared to other discs, because like when you compare it to another disc, you're like, oh, this other disc is sharp. Right. This is like I just opened a can with a can opener, right? And I'm like handling the lid of this can with sharp edges. Um, no sharp edges on these Wii U discs. No. So there was like, and you know, we credited the Wii or sorry, the Switch game carts yeah you're right for you got there for you know having like the coating on them so children don't eat them and i'm and I, adults I, whoever I, oh, sure, you're right who am i to say right the but the the wii u discs i wonder if there was some sort of like committee that was like we we need to make these dull we need right. to make these people not, have been scratching themselves uh-huh. it's a real issue yep uh well and look if that was a real issue i would say they addressed it um, I'm not ready to go back and change our ranking. I don't think so either. Um, but it's a good point. Also interesting to note that the Wii and the PlayStation 4 also had a different feel. Yeah. Like the PlayStation 4 was like in between a little bit. It had a little bit of a lip, but not as much as the Wii U. I just assumed all discs, all disc edges felt the same. I think I'm going to become that person that I'm going to go into, like if I am in somebody's home. And you're just going to say, can I touch your disc <laughs> can edges? Can I touch your disc edges? <laughs> it's going to be like, they're going to like go to the kitchen, excuse themselves to the kitchen to like get a drink or something. They're right. going to come back and I'm just like, all the cases are going to be open. Discs are going to be open. That's all just who I am now. Yeah. And I blame no, I mean, it on that the makes Nintendo sense. Pals, Look, which it's, thank you for, thank you for bringing this into my it's life. It's a curiosity you need to satisfy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's very strange. It makes me wonder, uh, what PlayStation 5 discs feel like. Oh my gosh. What Xbox discs feel what like. What do original PlayStation... Because di- now, I, now I have a theory. Yeah. That like all d- uh, CDs, like audio CDs, yeah. felt the same. Mm-hmm. All DVDs feel the same, which is why the Wii feels different from like the Blu-rays of both the PlayStation 4 and the Wii U. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I, I think I agree with this, but it also may come down to like electronics manufacturers too like all sony cds may feel the same as like playstation games the tips of my fingers are tingling. i know i just want to it's a tactile we are uh, flexing our fingers like madmen over here uh invite us over to your house so we can touch the all of your disc edges mark let's get into what we've been playing this week Let it never be said that we don't do research on this show because for two weeks, I did not know the name of the like th- two people that are on my island in Animal Crossing New Horizons. This is what we're counting as research? Just didn't bother okay, to learn all right, them. All right. um, and which is sadly something that I'm very guilty of like, in real life as well. Like if somebody introduces themselves to me and I'm like, I do not think I will ever meet you again. I immediately am just like, I don't even clock it you know what i mean you ever meet someone at the beginning of a night and then like run into them later that night and uh introduce yourself yeah it's mortifying it's because they will not let you live it down (laughs) it's horrifying all of this is to say that i now know the names (laughs) of the three island uh villagers on my island yeah so uh the jock rhino his name is tank fitting right um named after of course the character from the matrix yeah absolutely brother of dozer uh-huh. one of the people born in the real world has never been plugged into the matrix i'm so excited for this fourth movie i cannot even tell you um so tank the jock rhino mm-hmm. uh up next is Flo. she's the penguin i had to look up what her deal is because she and this is not a slide against Flo. She's very nice, but she doesn't have much of a personality. So yes. I'm like, what is her personality tree? According to a wiki that I looked this up on, it's sisterly. Okay, so the sisterly personality type is sort of like 
the uh, like female catch-all, um, or, or it feels like the female catch-all to me, where um, like almost the equivalent of uh, lazy on the uh, masculine side. Oh, got it. Um, that like lazy is just like they're just like chill and kind of nice. Uh-huh. Um, but like may annoy some of the more like type A or jocks or whatever on, yeah. on your island. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Finally, uh, I invited what I thought was uh, the devil incarnate. Right. Um, Lucifer a, himself. This demon ram that I encountered on my, you know, like Dodo Airlines getaway trip and wearing this like cloak, which apparently is a graduation gown, raises more oh. questions than uh, it answers. But anyways, thank you to pr- at Pray for Mojo on Twitter, who let me know that this is Rodeo. And is not, in fact, a demon ram, but is a lazy bull, apparently. Mm, a bull. Yeah. Because I was looking up ram. I was looking up goat. I, I mean, wanted to see this demon. Yeah. To be fair, that's what I was feeding you. Because I, right. I for sure, no, I, bl- it was I blame you. Of, yeah. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> Anyways, it's Rodeo. I'm yeah. very excited for Rodeo to be coming to my island soon. I'm slowly but surely making my a little bit of progress. So... There were so many steps in the early going of Animal Crossing New Horizons that I totally forgot about. Yeah. And now that I'm encountering it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, Like, I built a bridge because you have your first two villagers, but then to get more villagers, you have to, like, build a bridge. Then after you build a bridge, you have to place their three houses. Then after you place three houses, you have to build, like, three interior items. You have to craft three interior items for each and then three uh, exterior items that you just like s- leave, leave nearby. Around. Yeah. So I have done that. So now I believe when I go back into the game, either later tonight or whenever I next have a chance to play, that I will now have five villagers in total on my island. Red came by for the first time. Wow. Which, yeah. So that kind of stuff I forgot about. Well, because red wasn't added until exactly. later in the game. So yeah. now, like, oh, this is uh, in game. You know, like I've visited a total of maybe like six times. Yeah, and he's already there. Um, Mabel is there. The or has come by. Yeah, for clothes. And when can I swim? Is that just a summer thing? Mm-hmm. Because I, I like I had already nuked. Because one thing that right. Pray for Mojo pointed out was that. Um, in theory, it might be possible for me to recover my nuked island uh, if I had uploaded it to the cloud. But I am almost 100. And I thought like, oh, maybe I did do that. But I forgot that that, didn't, that was added later. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'd already nuked my island by the time that that like summer update or whatever came around. Um, but I also learned that happy. I thought that I would have to get like three stars and have... Um, uh, KK Slider come to my island before I could get to Happy Home Paradise. But that is apparently, from what I read online, not the case. It is, I think that all I have to do is get resident services. So you go from That's like the so tent to yeah. having like the, the permanent resident services building. And I think I'm pretty close to that. I yeah, think I'm I would think like, as soon as you get all the other resi- residents on the island, that then resident services would, you just need to like give them some wood and that's what iron I'm, and whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And so I might be closer than I think I am. So last week, I was really like conflicted on how I was feeling about this game. One thing that's nice is that I have been going back maybe like once every three days or so. And my villagers aren't like super upset at me and the whole thing isn't like covered in weeds. Right. And so that was my fear. The original time I played was like, I got to do this every day or like my island is going to fail. And it's, it's much more forgiving than that, which makes yeah. it much less stressful to play. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm sure there is some world in which you're, uh, they expect you to play animal crossing every day, but like they obviously just expect you to like revisit a couple times a week. Yeah. Um, so you have not been able to access ha- uh, Happy Home Paradise. No, but year. I yeah. think I'm really close, okay. which I'm very excited about. Um, I gotta tell you, um, I I uh, have still have not really pl- uh, played much of it, but I I watched Sarah play like a ton of it, um, and the things that she is able to do and the abilities that the game like just so gradually unlocks for you uh, is so cool, um, and like 
she just made some really cool houses. Like uh, she started uh, making uh, characters roommates with each other. So there was this dog Walker who wanted a place to uh, show off his bike um, and uh, a duck uh, named Drake who just likes bread. Um, which is great because he's a duck. Of course, a duck just likes bread. So they're roommates. And so she made like two little rooms for them using partitions and like one thing. Uh, and so like that's all super cool. Um, you know, one of them has bikes hanging on the wall. The other one has like a slice of pie on, on the <laughs> uh, on the nightstand. Um, uh, but she just unlocked the ability to do two-story vacation homes, um, which m- basically means doing a vacation home with two rooms in it. Um, so like... And that's not something I remember seeing in the no, uh, I direct about that. it. Um, which it stands to reason there are features in the game that they didn't show off in the direct. Duh, Patrick. But it's cool that that, that seems like such a big improvement um, that like it makes me wonder what all you can do in yeah. Happy Home Paradise. Um, it truly may be a like the sky is the limit, and I'm sure I'm sure there are people online that have been you know playing the heck out of it and you know have discovered everything. Um, but it just seems like there, there's a, there's an awful lot of there there, and I know I've said that before about Happy Home Paradise, but it is like legit its own game experience. I've also uh, played a little bit more of Kirby Superstar, refreshing myself before uh, I went on Connor McCabe's show. Friend of the show, previous guest Connor McCabe, uh, his podcast, which everybody should check out, Call Me By Your Game. Patrick has been on it before. I am on this week's episode, which I believe is uh, releasing tomorrow, Wednesday, and I, uh, we talk about Kirby Superstar, so check that out if you're interested. Yeah, and you can go back into the archives and find my episode uh, about uh, Dead Rising. Uh, I took the opportunity to not talk about a Nintendo game. <laughs> I like that you were like, no, still Nintendo game. <laughs> and then uh, finally, I've been slowly making my way through Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. I am in the Ancient Cistern right now. I've made my way through it. I'm just at the final boss. Um, the item in this dungeon is the whip, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I would the boss. I think is really cool. It has like multiple arms with swords and stuff and it will randomly like block a certain, like all but one direction that you have to hit. And then sometimes it's arm. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry. That was the mini boss. Right. That would block in certain ways. You this have- one is just like throwing these like boomerang type things around. Yeah. And when it'll like take these swings with like all of its arms at once, and then you have to like disconnect to, various like, arms. Yeah. yeah. With the whip. I, the mini boss, the one that would block all but one direction, I admit to like it took me like three tries because any time that this game requires me to use precision with the motion controls, yes, I struggle with it because because you don't normally do it. No, that is not how I've been playing right, this game right, at right. all. And so, like three times, not that bad. Like you know, like you die, you start right back where you were. Like it's really not that big of a deal. But I actually think it's a virtue that you can get as far as you can in the game without like really requiring precision motion controls. Because when it does, I don't really enjoy it that much because that's just not how I play this game. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting because like anytime I encounter a, uh, a, a Moblin that has the like electric sword, um, I feel like I have to be precise. Otherwise, I'm going to end up just hitting that sword. Yeah, see, that's so... I mean, I t- and this is actually true of how I play like most games like uh, Bloodborne and all that kind of stuff yeah. where I am not super strategic. I am like, a, I play as a tank where it's just like, yeah, I know I'm going to take hits, but in Zelda, I'll just get the hearts back. Yeah. Like it's not that bad. And so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah like I'm totally, I'm going to get uh, electrocuted by that Moblin's like electric staff, but I'm just going to kill it. It's less work for me than wow. trying to do like a precise hit. I go for the precise hits, but uh, it's also been a little bit since I played. So, um, Mark, I, I have not really been playing too much uh, Nintendo stuff lately uh, because I'm still sort of enamored with my PlayStation 5 um, and uh, making my way through and to the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which uh, by the end of it, I absolutely loved. Uh, I know that there was a period where I was like, this game is uh, like melodramatic and stupid. I think the presentation aspects of it are, are bad. I still think a lot of that is true, um, but the middle of the game is so uh, like good and emotionally like resonant for me that uh, it makes me forgive all the other sins of it. Uh, and I'm in, in the uh, part now where 
Um, I'm going back through all of the chapters and clearing them on hard difficulty. And like, I'm, I'm just maxing everything out now. Like uh, I had a good enough time with the game that I kind of want to, at least at this point, get everything. Uh, I'm sure I will reach a point where getting everything becomes uh, an obnoxious chore and then I don't ever play it again. Um, but as of right now, I'm really enjoying Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, and it seems like uh, a kind of huge bummer that that's a game that will never come to Switch, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it's just too uh, graphically demanding. But maybe it'll come, maybe like a, like with the Switch, we saw a lot of, like PlayStation or PlayStation Four games, you know, like mm-hmm. that sort of era was finally available on Switch. Maybe whatever the next generation of Switch looks like, we'll get some of these back ports. Yeah, I mean, this it was a PlayStation Four game originally, right? Yeah, so, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, and I like it. I guess it is possible that like it would come someday. It hasn't even come to Xbox yet, right? Um, so like uh, obviously Sony threw some kind of money at that oh, to yeah, have like the exclusivity. I, I forgot that it didn't come to Xbox. It's, it's weird, right? Exclusive, yeah. Um, uh, and m- maybe PC. I don't. I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't actually know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a a really cool game and like a uh sort of um like an en- an entry in the Final Fantasy like mainline canon as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it would just be cool to see it come to the other platforms. Uh, uh e- even switch uh you know running at like whatever reduced fidelity i think it'd be really cool yeah i think someday i'd like to play it i don't know when i would have the time but yeah. like it it does seem very appealing yeah i mean i th- just think it'd be fun to experience yeah remind me your experience with final fantasy 7 so i played final fantasy 7 late um it was like the wii xbox 360 era I uh, was the first time, like, my friend let me borrow his PlayStation 2. And so I just went back and played, like, a ton of sure. uh, PSX and PS2 games. So that's when I played Final Fantasy VII, VIII, IX. Like, all, uh, all of that was in that period where I was, like... Um, and it, th- that was a lot of fun to yeah, go sure. and, like, experience all of those games for the first time. Um, it really... It's uh, so incredible the way... Final Fantasy VII Remake drills in on the first like six or seven hours of Final Fantasy VII and uh, blows every single detail up into like an entire and like sometimes it's a- annoying right where it's like in the original game I just I this I fought this thing that was a random encounter now there's like a whole story beat about it um, and like it's just it's interesting to be so maniacally focused on the thing. Uh, and it makes me wish that there were like other kinds of other remakes like this that really went in and were like, Oh yeah, you know, here's one like little mechanic or one little enemy that looks strange. Uh, and let's just explore that forever until like it's logical end and you can no longer uh, explore it anymore in, in, in the form of a game. Um, yeah. There, there's something like celebratory and like lively about it. I think it's, really remarkable um all right so that's what we've been playing this week let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week it's thanksgiving week in the states and so a slow time for new releases there's nothing really on the list that I wanted to specifically call out. Yeah, me neither. So I, I know that there are a lot of big sales coming around for uh, uh, on the Nintendo eShop uh, and like in, you know, other, other, other retailers seeing Nintendo first party games go to like a third off or even up to like a half off or anything like that. I don't, we don't have any of those specifics in front of us, but just sort of like be attuned to it. Um, because uh, games that never go on sale are going on sale. Uh, four new releases. Do you want to just randomly pick a couple and we'll sure, go back yeah. and forth? Yep, yep. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, coming out today, November 23rd, My Universe, Puppies and Kittens. That sounds nice. On Let me ask you this. Why oh, not yeah. Puppies and Kitties? Oh, interesting. Puppies and Kittens. Puppies and Kitties. Yeah. I feel like like kitties is a little too cutesy. Okay, but just because there is no like ultra cute version of puppies, puppies yeah, I, puppies is just what they're called, right? All right, so that's fair enough. Good note. Um, on November twenty fifth on Thursday, Arcade Archives Fozon is released. 
Don't know what that is. Uh, hold on a minute. Death's Door is coming out today. Uh, Death's Door is like a, a like a overhead hack and slash. Like you play as a crow. Looks pretty cool. That maybe that's a game I'm actually interested in. All right. <laughs> hey, we found one. We found one. <laughs> and then on uh, Friday, November 26th, Date Night Bowling is released. Uh, all right, Mark. <laughs> let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, uh, this week's topic is a solid icebreaker question. Uh, if an alien offered to take you to their planet, but you couldn't return to Earth, would you go? I think first things first. Yeah. Patrick, do you think that there are extraterrestrials ter- out there? Great question, Mark. Uh, I think I got to refer, uh, differ rather, to my boy Enrico Fermi um, that probably, and right. they're probably among us, but also that's, you know, such a vanishing, like, small thing that we would actually experience that um so yes i guess i think i believe that they exist in some form yeah i think so i think the the universe is like so vast that it just feels really unlikely yes that ours is the only planet that has life on it and it may be something totally unrecognizable as life i I would kind of like assume it was yeah, yeah 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 that like even if there are alien life forms on this planet they may not exist in the same physical space as mm, we do mm-hmm. you know we can only perceive so many dimensions uh and this is one of the reasons why uh gravity isn't stronger is that there uh it's, this is the string theory of uh of physics that there are that there are forces that gravity is asserting in dimensions we can't perceive so cool um and again, look, this is just like the uh, the thing the other day. If we're messing anything up, <laughs> look, it took me leave three us alone. weeks <laughs> to get the name of my Animal Crossing villagers. You think we're gonna like master string theory? No thanks. No, absolutely not. Look, I we talked about it in one physics class once, and I was like, "That's cool." And then I've misunderstood it the rest of my life. Um, Mark, I feel like the easy answer to this question is. No, absolutely not. Okay, I, I, I agree that that is the easy answer, especially given our circumstances where we have, you know, like um, uh, significant others. We have, you know what I uh-huh. mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think if you were to say yes to this answer, uh-huh. what's stopping you from nuking your life right now and, like, going to live in, like, a different country? Well, well I feel like this is... I I feel like it's different. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel like it's the I don't feel like it's the same. I feel like you have to be open to such a a, a huge amount of adventure and yeah, own, I think totally. To decide like, yeah, I'm going to live with aliens now. Have you met an alien? No. You haven't even met these people and you're going to live with them? It's insanity. Yeah, it it is in, I mean, isn't that what happens at the end of um Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I guess spoiler. <laughs> For a forty-year-old movie, yeah, but, yeah. Um, I mean, he does also Richard have Dreyfuss. an experience with them first, right? They like kidnap him, right? No, no, no. I I don't think so. They like buzz his like they like buzz his car. Okay, essentially. Okay. I'm thinking of fire like, in the sky. I'm thinking of fire are, in the sky. I think you might be thinking of fire in the sky. Um, so I think I think the answer is no. But wouldn't wouldn't you at least be like tempted? Because what if they're like I. Uh, what if the alien comes down and they're like, we will share our knowledge with one person. That person is Patrick Ellers. Right. Like they talk to the president of Earth. <laughs> uh-huh. The president of Earth. <laughs> right. And they're and like, they're like yeah. we will share this with Patrick mm-hmm. Ellers. Patrick Ellers can, but he, like Patrick will never be able to come back, but he will be a human being who is able to experience Earth. Would you be mm. our, our existence? Would you be tempted? Yeah. Well, so that's different because it feels like there's purpose behind it. The, I think it is possible that it's just the way this question is phrased that makes it sound ridiculous to me. If an alien offered, which makes <laughs> it sound like, to me like, hey, hey you want to, hey, hey, you want to come? come back? Hey, we're going to Mars. You yeah. want to go to Mars? <laughs> yeah, we can't promise you right back, bro. We're like, oh, jeez, yeah. okay. Well, <laughs> how, how can I get in there? Like, you can't get back. And right. like, can I call Elon Musk? And they're like, no. <laughs> 
Okay, what if we change it a little bit? You could get back. They're just not offering you a ride. So if you okay, can figure sure. out a way back, then mm. uh, you can get, you can come back. No, I mean still still probably no. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess I guess we will never know. Uh, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. Mark, let's get into the news. Nintendo has had a somewhat fraught relationship with the fighting game tournament community as of late. Uh, last year, they shut down multiple events that intended to host like Super Smash Brothers Melee online tournaments. Reminder that like Super Smash Brothers Melee is the GameCube game, so there was no online component, but it has been modded into it, and um, people would try, especially during the pandemic, try hosting these online tournaments, and Nintendo was consistently asking them not to. Uh, use the game yeah well and not not use the uh the the modded version of the game which is is not just uh the online mods there are like other balancing issues that's right that's right um so like they're fundamentally not playing super smash brothers melee with but like also are so like yeah we we uh it's obviously a sticky situation there but this past week nintendo and panda global announced the first officially licensed smash brothers circuit in north america which will start in 2022. Both Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and Super Smash Bros. Melee will be featured. It includes virtual and in-person qualifying events, assuming conditions are safe for Mm in-person. But their virtual qualifying events, how do you think that works for Super Smash Bros. Melee? Yeah, it's a a great question because there currently is no way to play Melee without playing a modded right. version of I, the game. I, I don't I could be wrong. Um I hate saying those words, but it is possible that Super Smash Brothers Melee had like the Ethernet kind of like LAN connection that you could do for like Mario Kart Double Dash. That, like, right, but e- e- even that that's that's just a LAN connection, right? That, right, I but I don't know really if there's be... like some ways to like pr- take that I I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know either. Um Players in Canada and Mexico, they're saying, will be uh, would be able to enter and compete in this tournament once international travel is deemed safe by Nintendo. Um, additional details will be announced in the future. I don't know. I think this is uh, Nintendo kind of like stepping up to the plate here. Uh, I would say kind of, just because we don't have all the details here yet. Um, so it's possible that the uh, virtual and in-person qualifying events means uh, virtual for um ultimate and uh that's a good virtual point. and in person for or no only in person for uh melee that's a good point so like if the in-person pieces of it can't happen because of covid or i guess any other reason that maybe it would just become an ultimate tournament right that has online right. play yeah that's a great point yeah and i mean it's also uh just a i mean i i personally think it's a little strange that they would be uh hosting qualifying events virtually for even for ultimate like the connection is never really so stable that it seems like a good venue for competitive play right i have not played ultimate online for a very very long time when i uh when the game like first came out and i was playing with the ethernet adapter for my switch i my memory is that was okay but i was never playing in like a um competitive environment where like it you know input precision mattered and so yeah. maybe at that level it i would it's difficult for me to imagine that the online would hold up for that yeah it's just i mean but but they must have been but people had to have been doing online ultimate yeah. tournaments yeah i guess they during, must have yeah at least during the pandemic so i i feel like it must it be must be good decent. enough or at least people are putting up with it yeah yeah i mean online play in the fighting game community is obviously so like necessary but it's it's weird how few games have really like cracked it um and how even like the heavy hitters like smash and like street fighter are not they're not leading the way in that like they're they're leaving it to um the smaller games and you know like king of fighters and stuff um to have the sort of like rollback net code that makes it snappy enough to actually play these games competitively online so yeah that's a great point patrick that we should wait and see to see yeah exactly what this is but i think it's interesting that nintendo is entering this space in in an unofficial capacity yeah well and this is also something that we uh kind of saw 
coming when um, like Evo imploded uh, over like abuse allegations within the communities, and uh, particularly in the um, Smash community, um, that like uh, that Nintendo was like, all right, no more events without uh, our adults in the room. Um, and so it's nice that they're like, and now here are our adults. We are yeah. ready to administer these tournaments. Yeah. And they already do it for, they've you know done it for Splatoon for a long while. They've yeah. done it for Pokemon for a long while. So it, it was always kind of interesting to me that they like were not interested in doing it for Smash Brothers seemingly. Well, I mean, the, the thing about that is that the like competitive fighting game community was already built up on its own, right? Like that's why Evo became like the only game in town. Um, and the fact that there was like rot within Evo, uh, because it didn't come from any like, I, I'm gonna keep saying like the grownups in the room, right? Like that there were no grownups in the room. At, Basically, at Evo. like corporate entities whose, yeah, uh, whose bottom line could be affected yeah. by someone else's uh poor behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously that did happen with Evo, and that they got shut down. They don't exist. Although PlayStation got, bottom, so, yeah, PlayStation. I don't so, know. but no, but again, one yeah. of those like quote unquote adults stepped yes. up. Yeah, to fill that void. Mario Kart Live Home Circuit received a major new update with version 2.0. So players can now connect two carts to one Switch. This is the like augmented reality yeah. Mario Kart game that came out last year. Players can connect two carts to one Switch system and play in split screen for the first time. They can play you can play any Grand Prix Cup with two to four players in relay race multiplayer. And Luigi Cup has been added with three new tracks where you can unlock the Poltergust G00 cart and the Spooky Horn, which I am very enamored with. <laughs> what do you think a Spooky Horn sounds like? I don't know. Do you think it's like a wooga? That's remarkable, Mark. I don't think we need to hear any other pitches on that. Um, l- let me ask you, have you uh, heard or been like party to anyone talking about no mario kart live no i would be very curious to know how it did i don't know anybody who owns it i don't think if i do let me know i would love to yeah we would love to know um yeah yeah i mean it's just so far outside of like what our experiences of you know living in uh los angeles uh, apartments and houses um that like it just doesn't I, i don't know where you would do where you would set it up yeah yeah i haven't even really like considered it and also i like it seems like something that I would want to play once, but I just can't imagine wanting to play it enough that I would want to buy it because they're not cheap. No, they're like a hundred bucks, right? Right. Um, and there was a some sale recently where they were cut down to like sixty bucks, uh, and even that, like. I don't know. You gotta you gotta store that cart somewhere. I know, I know. And like all the stuff to like make the track. Like, yeah. um, you know, I've I've got two uh, boxes of like completed Labo above my refrigerator right now, and like every time I dust them, which is a lot because they get dusty, um, I'm like, why do I still have these? <laughs> but also, what's the alternative? Do I just throw them away? Right. Like what? What? Yeah. And the if I had the Mario Kart Live uh, remote control car, it'd be the same thing. Yeah, and so I am, don't get me wrong, I am curious to check it out, and I think it could be very fun. It just doesn't fit with my life. Yeah. Yep. Kirby and the Forgotten Land, the new Kirby game revealed at the last Nintendo Direct, has been rated by the ESRB. M? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) A-O. Adults only. (laughs) It's E10+. And as part of the rating process, we got a new description of the game. I love this. I love uh, taking all of the tiniest clues to be like, let's talk about what this Kirby game is. This is, uh, I am now reading the uh, description. This is an action-adventure game in which players help Kirby save kidnapped creatures from evil forces. Players traverse 3D platforms while collecting coins, solving puzzles, and using Kirby's abilities to battle cartoony enemies e.g. mushrooms, foxes, giant turtles. Patrick, stop me if any time there's anything specifically you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. Players use swords, bombs, and blaster-type pistols to defeat enemies. Some weapons allow players to use targeting crosshairs, or targeting slash crosshairs for ranged firing. Boss battles can be frenetic, with laser fire, explosions, and projectiles flying at Kirby, often from a close-up perspective. So no mention of, like, eldritch horrors or, like, 
cosmic brains yes. that Kirby has to fight. Though we know they're in there. Absolutely. It's a Kirby game. There's going to be some dimensional rift. Yes. And the final boss will be some like horrific, unspeakable terror from another dimension. Right. Offering us a ride to a planet, which we will decline because we're like, how are we going to get back? And we're like, look, I got work on Monday, so I can't <laughs> possibly go with you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we don't get too much really from this description here. Even saying like players use swords, bombs, and blaster type uh, pistols. That's consistent with like all Kirby. Yeah. Games, Kirby right? like copy abilities. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder like how much of that is that. Um, the uh, enemy types, uh, mushrooms, foxes, and giant turtles, also seems kind of consistent with what I expect of of Kirby. I guess neat that they call out specifically giant turtles. Right. How big are these turtles, Mark? Oh man, I can't wait to find out. What do you think of collecting coins? Which is not really like a mechanic that I associate with Kirby. Yeah. Albeit my Kirby, like, oeuvre is very small. I right. haven't played like a ton of Kirby games. So you you collect gems in mm-hmm. uh, Epic Yarn, um, and I'm pretty sure there are like just some collectibles in some of these games. Whether or not they're they're always coins, I guess, is uh, kind of open for uh, debate. What constitutes a coin? Um, but uh, I think that the thing for me that has me most like, oh okay, uh, is that it's described as an action adventure game. Um, and not an open-world action-adventure game. Mm. Uh, open-world is a phrase that usually does appear in ESRB ratings for open-world games. Um, and I know that that was a subject of conversation when the game was uh, initially teased during the Nintendo Direct. I guess not even teased, but we got this whole trailer. Because um, it looked like it could be a very open game. But I feel like there's an important distinction between like an open-world game and a Mario Odyssey-esque game which sure. I don't think is really considered open world because you go from like discrete yeah. level to discrete level. The levels themselves are very large and have lots of space for exploration, but it's not really an open world game. And so in my mind, that's what yeah, I was expecting. That's a good point. Or that is what I'm expecting Kirby in the Forgotten Land to be based off of. Like, I, yeah, I think that's fair that it's not like a completely open world like um, Hyrule and Breath of the Wild. I'm thinking it's more like, oh, and I'll like enter this level and this level yeah. is like has a large expanse of space for me to explore. See, I, I'm still even imagining that those worlds will be less open and more Super Mario 3D World-esque. Oh, got it. Um, is sort of where I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. Because um, it does seem like there's a lot of uh, the camera is in like a single position and not a lot of just like camera rotating around Kirby. Yeah. Um, so that's my expectation for this game. That's a good point. Maybe like Mario Galaxy-esque. Yeah, I yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I am curious to see what Kirby in the Forgotten Land ends up being. Um they obviously have not, you know, like in any of the PR or anything been like it's a brand new Kirby, you know, like right. they're not talking about reinvention, but that is I feel like the general sense or what has people buzzing about the game is that it seems like a a a different type of Kirby game that we yeah. had recently. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but have they said very much about this game at all? Or have no, we really just no. seen the trailer? I mean, you said, yeah, it's it was a reveal, but still more of a teaser than anything. Yeah. Like, we don't really know. any. They haven't talked about the mechanics. We're still waiting for the big blowout on what this game right. is. We've just seen, like, a little tantalizing tease at this point. And it's, like, it's important to remember that, like, there are so many Nintendo games that we... Um, get like an initial uh, like a trailer for and then it's not until they like blow it out that like the shape of the game even really comes into focus like do you remember the first time we saw Cappy in Mario Odyssey because that wasn't part of like the initial reveal we didn't know what Mario Odyssey was Um, and like holding Cappy until yeah I mean we did get in the I guess we just saw the the January tease you saw like oh like that that hat is possessed. Mario's hat is possessed. Right. But you're right. We didn't see like the ca- the capture mechanic. We didn't right. see like any of that stuff until way later. Right. And that the capture mechanic is uh, yeah. I guess you're right that it was specifically the capture mechanic and not Cappy. Um. But like we we just had no idea what the moment to moment experience of playing that game even was. Yeah. Um. And so I I feel like that is still where we are with Kirby, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That's such a good point. We really know. A lot of what we th- I think I know about this game is pure speculation and yep. like internet rumor mongering. Um, Which my is favorite fun. kind. It's fun. Like, don't get it's me wrong. Fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I the fact that this has been rated by the ESRB 
and that it's supposed to release in spring 2022 makes me think this might be like an earlier 2022 release like march yeah um i feel like that's when star allies came out was like the march time frame yeah i want to even say february um we don't have a a, a revised date for um advance wars yet so there in, was like a, the a leak e-shop, right yeah. in the e-shop right now if you in the u.s uh e-shop if you go to coming soon Advance Wars is listed as like April 9th or something like that. Okay, which so it like kind of late. Yeah. yeah, like they haven't they haven't announced that, but that's just where it is. And it lined up, it's like a Friday and all that kind of stuff. Right, and um, it's not like the end of a quarter or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that seemingly is where it's going to release. So yeah, there does seem like there's a little bit of space in there for something yeah. like Kirby, which is interesting to have like main uh, mainline Nintendo uh, releases sort of like leapfrog each other that like. We were expecting there to be Advance Wars and then Kirby, and now it's like, well, no, now it'll be Kirby and then Advance Wars. Yeah. Unless it, too, gets delayed. We haven't discussed this on the show, um, but the release of Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, has been a bit of a mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, This past week, Rockstar Games issued a statement apologizing for the state of it. Uh, The first part is a little bit hilarious to me. It goes, quote, we want to provide an update regarding the unexpected technical issues that came to light as part of the launch of Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy Definitive Edition. I guess it's really a matter of, like, who they're unexpected to. Like, we're sorry, like, these unexpected for you that issues. you because, did not expect yeah, these issues? Yeah, because there's no way it was unexpected to them. Right, like, they have people QA these things. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, like, a, a lot of the... I mean, there, there are some things that are um, just sort of, like, general problems with, like, emulation and bringing games forward from, uh, like, older versions where, like, they were relying on, like, fog effects or whatever. Right. Uh, or, like, just whatever happens when you increase draw distances because you can, uh, and the game was never designed to uh, do that. So, like, that's one thing, and that's, like, sort of a, a series of aesthetic choices. And so they can revisit that and be like, okay, we made the wrong aesthetic choice. We can address that somehow. But there are also just, like, crazy things happening. Did you see this glitch where there was, like, a face appearing in a, in a wall? Did you see this thing? No. It's like someone in a boat by the harbor. Um, and, like, th- if you were approaching a wall from, like, a specific angle, like, you would see a face <laughs> like that was just, like, mapped onto the wall. It's outrageous. Yeah, apparently when they, in the original release of the, the PC versions of this definitive edition, like, it had all of the licensed music that they couldn't include because they didn't. Uh, renew the license yeah the files were all still in there they just been like commented out in the code yeah like the stuff for the that like hot coffee thing yeah sure was in there like all that stuff um like internal notes on the source code like it was all there and so they ended up taking the releases down they were unplayable for a couple of days and then they came back like it's just been just like a real big mess I'm not going to read the whole statement, but like the TLDR version is that they're going to be releasing updates to address the bugs and that they also ask people to stop harassing the development staff, which which is good, which is good stop and de- like harassing development staff. And it's so sad to me that that has to be an official statement from Rockstar Games because it must be pretty bad for it to get to that level. Yeah. Um, but Rockstar is going to be they also in a kind of slimy move like Rockstar removed the classic versions from the PC game stores before these were released. So everybody had to pay, you know, the 60 bucks right, to, to play, play them the new again. versions. Right. So they said that they're going to bring back the classic version sometime in the future in a new bundle only on the Rockstar game store. And if you bought this definitive edition trilogy from Rockstar games from the Rockstar game store, then you'll get the classics versions for free automatically when they come back, which that's a nice gesture. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a, a pretty good gesture, and it's nice that it seems like they're going to try to make good on, you know, the various ways that they screwed up these um, remasters. Um, but it's also, yeah, the 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 unexpected, what is it? Uh, unexpected technical issues uh, is baffling. <laughs> it's just funny because it's, it's, again, I, this is a one for the books, the great moments in copywriting where you're like, the way that it's written is like, I, th- they can have it both ways. Yeah. Where if somebody calls them out on that wording, like were they unexpected to you? They can be like, no, we meant it. That it was like that unexpe- you didn't expect exactly. It. Right. Yeah. Like oh, if you expected it, you wouldn't have purchased it. <laughs> but exactly. But the way it's written, right. it sounds like they're like we didn't. 
where did these other, these technical issues come from? They were unexpected to us too. I mean, the the thing that I find so like kind of baffling about this is that like each of these games is huge, right? right. Like, I, and they're they're older games, so like you know they're they're huge on like a different scale to games that are, are released now. But there are three of them in this collection, um, and it just makes me wonder like how many re- how much they like committed to like the resources to port these games over, you know, like it, it's no small feat to bring over any game from one platform to another. Um, but it's an enormous feat to port three games over from like two generations ago. I think, yeah, to multiple systems. Yeah. Um, and, and to be presenting them as remastered, yeah. right? Like when we got the, uh, the Mario um, 3d all-stars, they were not claiming that those were remastered and they were not right. And that was a pretty bare bones package um and you know like you can criticize like, the emulation here and there um but like they are like more or less faithful recreations of what those games were um and the fact that like this can't even be that i don't know it just it it all feels very strange yeah and totally at the feet of rock like rockstar because yes y- you absolutely could have delayed it but just wanted to get the those holiday sales yeah i mean grand theft auto 5 is like the most successful entertainment thing in existence didn't we just do this with cyberpunk like last year yeah (laughs) yeah we just did it with cyberpunk and it's the same story too of like the witcher 3 and grand theft auto 5 being like the biggest things on multiple platforms with multiple generations spanning um Witcher 3, not quite to the same degree as uh, GTA 5. Um, but still, it's so big and such high prestige studios that it's uh, wild to see them put out something that like is just this crummy and broken. A couple of weeks ago, or honestly, maybe last week, we discussed a quote from Masahiro Sakurai saying that for now, he doesn't see a path for Smash Brothers without him. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nintendo Everything has posted a full translation of the Famitsu interview where that quote came from and it's the bulk of it is talking about each individual DLC character. And uh, they ask about it and Sakurai gives a little bit of the history of the development of it. And it's really, really interesting at the end. They talk about like the future of smash brothers and that's where that quote comes from. Um, the whole thing is like 5,000 words. I really recommend that people go to Nintendo everything to check it out. We'll put a uh, link in the show notes. So these are just a couple of like anecdotes that stood out to me that I thought were interesting. Uh, speaking of Banjo and Kazooie's trailer riffing on the King K. Rule reveal. So the, just to, 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 to catch up, uh, the, the reveal of um, King K. Rule, who was like a fan favorite, um, was like Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong like hanging out, and then there was like a noise outside, uh, and we got trolled right by... Um, no, 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 that's, that's was it later. Wh- which one had uh, uh, Duck Hunt in it? Yeah, I think it was the first one, and then it turns out, to, or no, maybe not. So they, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. The, the point is, uh, it was a, a Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, like hanging out, um, and then here comes King K. Rule, and in the, uh, you know, which was a huge like you know fan favorite reveal, like a question, uh, a character that they've been waiting for forever, um, and then to reveal. Banjo and Kazooie, um, they did like the same setup and showed, you know, a uh, sort of bear like shape with bird like wings behind it. And then we're like, no, it's just the uh, the duck hunt dog and duck. Um, and then, no, actually, it is, in fact, Banjo and Kazooie. That's right. And so Sakurai says, yeah, we did use the same gag again. It wasn't just about making it funny, but also about keeping production costs down. Smart. Making those reveal trailers really does cost a lot. It was certainly far more of a task than everyone imagined. Besides keeping the highlight of the scene great, we wanted to keep the cost down as much as possible. Coming up with ingenious ways to do that is the crux of making these kinds of movies. In any case, the price of our DLC for a fighter, stage, and tunes comes out to only 666 yen. Tax included! Wow! Um, I This interview is really funny to me because it does get in the way that he does in this quote here. Sakurai constantly talks about, like, we didn't have a, like, we had a budget. We didn't have a lot of time. We didn't have a lot of money. Like, it yeah. was, you know, like, stressful. We had to be really creative in how we solved these problems. And you just assume that with, like, Smash Brothers, with a game that big, that, like, they get whatever they need. They get the time that they need. They get whatever money they ask for, you know? Um, so it's just interesting how much he reiterates, or it's like, we were on a budget. We, yeah. you know, like, 
had to be creative in the ways that we like did these sorts of things because we were just always looking for ways to save money. Uh, it it is so funny, and it like th- obviously we've been in an era now for a while where uh, DLC characters for fighting games are sort of common. Um, but like I don't know that anyone's really landed on like what a new character is worth. Right. You know, like what or like how many characters should be in a game. And obviously something like Smash Brothers like sort of obliterates whatever math uh you know you could have in there because it starts with like 70 characters. Um yeah, so it's it it's funny that he like loops back around to and it only costs you, you know, whatever it is, six bucks US. Yeah. Um which I don't know, do you think that's a good deal? Yeah, I guess I, it's, so. it's it's impossible to I, say. I feel like with all the DLCs um yeah it's so like what do you compare it against i guess like other totally dlc it really just comes down to like is it worth it to you and i do feel like for the most part you know like the fighters plus the stage plus all the music it's a pretty good package to a lot of people but you just have to really like be into it yeah you do i mean there's some aspect of where where you're like okay you get another level and you're like but i've got 90 whatever levels already you know like there there is there is like a real part of it where it's like having another one doesn't really make the game more valuable but i'm totally happy to have basically paid for the game twice to get 11 extra characters and 11 extra stages like when you put all of the information together um then it feels like it's it's worth it but like saying that and i guess i've uh, i i don't think i would buy them individually even though it's a difference of like a dollar per character or something like that so i don't know i'm i'm just i'm talking around in circles right no, now. no i i agree with you i mean i feel like it's a when you really like start thinking about it it just gets into a broader thing where you're like well how much is art is a video game worth yeah. We're so used to spend spending sixty bucks in the U.S. for like a new video game, and now it's beginning to become like seventy. So you're like, wow, like seventy dollars is a lot, but I usually spend a lot of even you know like a good game is worth it, even if you know you're playing it for seven hours. That's only ten dollars an hour. That's not that bad. Like doing all of that like gymnastics, right. it's it be, it gets really complicated. Right. Like for example, uh, uh, uh Final Fantasy VII remake. Spent sixty dollars for that game when it came out. It transferred perfectly over to my uh, PlayStation Five. Uh, I played it for like twenty hours before. I've played it for about uh, another forty plus hours now. I played it for over sixty hours. It's a dollar an hour. Like, what other like entertainment thing do I have that I spent a dollar an hour on? Like yeah. nothing, you know? Yeah. Also, sixty dollars. That's like a one night out at, at for dinner or something. Like if you have a drink, you know, like that. That's it. Uh, so. Yeah, all, all of these things, it's like, yeah, uh, I guess pay what they're asking if you want to play with the stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Well, speaking of budgeting, uh, in Famitsu asked Sakurai about how these like Sakurai Presents presentations came to be. And Sakurai says, quote, at first when we decided to start making a variety of DLC, the plan was to make a lot of fighters that had unique systems. That would require a more detailed explanation for players on the fighters' properties. But if we put an explanation in the game or on the website, it would be likely that not many people would see it. We considered what the best method would be and reached the conclusion that it was video, the biggest form of media right now. The first one we made was the 3.0 update introduction video that introduced Joker, but that took a lot of work. There was no end to the video production and editing we had to get done. If we had kept making them like that, we wouldn't have had quite enough budget. There you go again. Upon examining what a less costly method would be, someone in charge of Nintendo said, wouldn't it be best to have Sakurai present? Basically, will you be a YouTuber? I agreed that there was no other option. Even within (laughs) the program, I said multiple times that we didn't have the budget, and I wasn't kidding. We really didn't have enough time, money, or work capacity. That's why we decided it would be best if I just put the game on a screen in front of me and did a relaxed presentation with a controller in my hands. Okay, so this is another one of those things where it's where I I love it too, but like you can't teach someone how to do that. Like, why does it have to be why does it have to be you, the game director, every time? So I did not add, I did not put this in there. Yeah. But basically, uh, when he's elaborating on, you know, like why it would be so difficult to do a Smash Brothers without him. And, um, it he talks about how like there is nobody who knows how to like start it from scratch 
Sure. There is nobody who just has that the learned experience that he has of like the 20 years of Super Smash Brother. And so I think, you know, like in a wiki or something, you can you can document some of the like mechanical parts of it. But I think there is just like learned, you know, like institutional knowledge that lives yeah. within Sakurai in his bones. That is just difficult, you know, to like pass on, you know, to somebody in a clean, like easy way. You know, it's not like there's like a, a written like encyclopedia that he can just hand off. But it's just, you know, it's like the formula for Coca-Cola. It's not just one person who knows it, you know? <laughs> like you need to share that knowledge, Sakurai. I mean, I do think it's so funny that like uh Sakurai is so busy. He yeah. does so much stuff. And I just love the way he puts it where he's just like someone at Nintendo was like, let's just have Sakurai do it. Yeah, which is probably just like the story of his whole career, right? Like, oh, right. let's just have Sakurai do it. Yeah. And then he's dying of exhaustion, hooked up to an IV at his desk. <laughs> I also wanted to talk about uh, specifically Byleth, uh, the uh, character from Fire Emblem Three Houses that's in the game. And I thought this was interesting. So he, uh, Sakurai says, quote, At the time of development, Sma Fire Emblem Three Houses had yet to be released. But without knowing the game's contents, we couldn't make a fighter, so we asked the game's team for a summary. However, in conversation alone, we had no idea what they meant. When I heard there are three houses and the battles are fought in a futuristic way, there was no way for me to imagine what that meant. Hold on a second. Just jumping in here. Someone who was explaining Fire Emblem Three Houses to Masahiro Sakurai said they fight in a futuristic way? I wonder if this was if this is something that was like... Um, lost in translation. Oh, sure, because there is like an early period and a future period. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right, all right. Um, so during development, we borrowed a ROM and played it as we went, When presented, which presented its own problems. We were using a debug version, but even so, working through all three stories took a lot of time. However, I know, it's so, it's, he talks in this about like, for Minecraft and stuff, like, he truly immerses himself in these games. Like, yeah. he plays, in addition to directing and like, being such a, main part of the development of smash brothers he is also a really fan of all these games yeah. into all and i don't even know if he's a fan like but he, no <laughs> yeah, seriously sure, like right, i don't even right. know if he's a fan but like minecraft gets handed down being like this is a dlc character he like it's not surface level yeah. like cursory playing of it like he really like digs into it it's so crazy to me um oh just saying so uh, to continue, so during development, we borrowed a ROM and played as we went, which presented its own problems. We were using a debug version, and even so, working through all three stories took a lot of time. However, of, of course, at that time, everything was still top secret, so we couldn't take it home or show it to others in the company. So instead, we would need to play secretly during work hours without anyone else seeing, which was pretty difficult. I mean, that's... Uh... That's classic Nintendo, right? Of, like, uh, guarding the secrecy above everything else. Yeah. Um... And you would think that, like, the people working on – anybody working on Smash Brothers, which itself is guarded so much with secrecy. Right. Like, why not let everybody just see three houses, you know what I mean? And just yeah. tell them, hey, you can't talk about this? But no, they were, like, double secret. Loose lips, man. I mean, they got to <laughs> they, they, look, they, people aren't going to jeopardize their uh, job working on Smash Brothers by leaking about Smash Brothers. But you can leak about three houses. Who's going who's gonna to trace that back to you? There's a whole team developing this game. That's a whole team game. working on that. Yep. Um, I really recommend this. Uh, checking out this interview on Nintendo Everything. It was. It's. Re they go through every single downloadable character. It's. It's. Um, except for Piranha Plant. So worth well, checking out. Um, I feel like he's considered part of the main roster, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. But uh, we'll. Uh, like I said, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. And then finally, VGC published a feature celebrating the 20th anniversary of the GameCube that's filled with interviews with people involved in launching the console. It's really good and covers too much ground for me to try to like pull pieces out or try to summarize here. So we'll also link to it in the show notes. I also really recommend you check it out. It's a really interesting read. Yeah, and we are planning a uh, future conversation ab about the GameCube more generally, so we'll both probably be reflecting on uh, our experiences with it when it came out uh, at that time. Uh, all right, Mark, let's close out the news.
That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. You can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We will give you a shout-out. You heard it happen today. Um, we also have a, uh, Check us out on Twitter. I apologize. Uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com. Or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying sometimes we repeat gags to keep the production costs down. And thank you for listening. I'm Brian Husky. I'm bald. And I'm Charlie Sanders, and I'm also bald. And we host Bald Talk on the Campfire Media Network. Bald Talk is the podcast where two bald comedians talk to anyone bald about being bald. But this show isn't just for baldies, Brian. Harrows will love it, too. Bald Talk gets into vulnerability, vanity, insecurity, and self-acceptance, reminding us that we all have our respective bald spots. Not that bald spots are a bad thing. No way. I mean, my entire head is one big bald spot. It is one huge, beautiful bald spot, Charlie. Get Bald Talk on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I have like a little bit of hair, but not like you. Like you're really bald. I'm truly bald. Great. I mean, it's I'm great. balder I than it. you. You are balder than me. Only on Bald Talk. Campfire. <laughs>